Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. It is Inauguration Day in Washington, D.C. At noon today, Donald Trump will put his hand on uh, his right hand on a Bible and or his left hand on a Bible, raise his right hand and take the oath of office to become the 45th president of the United States. How do you feel about that? Are you excited about it? Are you excited about the things that he says he wants to do? Are you excited about the things that he has said for more than a year now as he's sort of surprised everyone, first in the Republican primaries and then in the general election by becoming the president? Or are you apprehensive about the things that seem to be on tap? Are you worried about the things that seem to be on tap? We're going to spend all hour today talking about this, the first day of the Trump presidency. Uh, and we want to hear from you, especially today. Uh, did you vote for Donald Trump? Did you vote for Hillary Clinton? What did you expect uh, out of the election results? What do you expect about what do you expect to see in the next couple of weeks? Uh, the first hundred days of a presidency really starts to define what the agenda is going to look like. I suspect that uh, this president will be more active in the first 100 days. Uh, than many presidents we have seen in the past and maybe uh, active in ways that might rankle me and uh, others who agree with me. But uh, again, we want to hear from you this hour, all hour, about what you're feeling today as the Obama presidency ends and the Trump administration begins. 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, before we get started, I just want to say a couple of words about how I'm feeling today. Uh, I don't think there's any secret that uh, I have not been a fan of Donald Trump's even long before, in fact, he decided to run for president. I spent much of the last year writing at the Detroit Free Press uh, on this show and uh, on television talking about the profound problems that I have with the things that he said, the things that he has said he wants to do. Uh, I, I also have to confess to a fair amount of fear, if not uh, uh, outright uh, apprehension or, or horror, uh, about some of the things that he has talked about. I mean, think about the way that Donald Trump has talked about race. Think of the way Donald Trump has talked about immigration. Think of the way Donald Trump has talked about women. These are things that uh, that hit really close to home for me and people who think the way I do. Uh, and I think it's okay to sit and say, this could be this could be really bad for us. This could be a real setback for the things that we cherish. Uh, I, I keep going back to the presidential debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton when he was asked about race relations in this country and what he would do to improve race relations in this country. And I thought that was a real opportunity for him to wrap his arms around uh, a cooperative, uh, inclusive model. What he talked about, though, was crime. What he talked about was law enforcement. His answer was stop and frisk, double down on policies like that. I don't think there's any problem if you're an African-American or if you're not an African-American and believe in equality I don't think there's any problem taking away from that, that this is somebody who threatens 
much of the progress that we have seen made in this country over not just the last four or eight years, uh, but several decades. And so that apprehension, I think, is uh, deep in our bellies uh, today as we uh, prepare to watch uh, what happens at noon. But I also want to say this. Uh, This country has existed for 230-some years uh, through an awful lot of change, through an awful lot of tumult. Uh, And we've been here before, certainly as minorities, as women, uh, as the disfavored people historically in this country. We've definitely been here before, and we've survived it. We've gotten ourselves up off the ground figured out a way to resist and a way to survive. And I am confident that that will, uh, that will absolutely happen this time, no matter what it is that Donald Trump says he wants to do, no matter what these cabinet nominees he has uh, decide they want to do. Uh, this is not the end of anything. It is the beginning, perhaps, of a struggle that we weren't necessarily prepared to have to undertake. Uh, But this is America. And uh, as much as I love this country, uh, as much as I love being an American, I know uh, that we will survive this no matter what comes to pass. So uh, that's a a little word of inspiration, I guess, to the folks who are really uh, down today. I know a lot of people who have taken this much more emotionally uh, than I have. Uh, I tend to look at things more through an intellectual lens than an emotional one. Uh, but uh, it's going to be okay. We're going to be all right. This is a strong country. We are a strong people, uh, and there will be another day for us. Uh, So again, all day today, we want to talk about inauguration in the first days or weeks of Donald Trump's administration. And joining me in studio to talk about this is somebody who I know is not apprehensive about (laughs) what is happening today. John Truscott is a principal at Truscott Rossman PR firm in Lansing. He's the former press secretary for Republican Governor John Engler. He joins me today to uh, be the opposition, I guess, is maybe the best way to put that. Uh, This year we have uh, pledged on Friday mornings to bring in somebody who doesn't see the thing? See, doesn't see the world the way that I do. Doesn't see things the same way I do. To talk about how things look from the other side of the political spectrum. So, John, welcome. Uh, to it's great to today. be here, and I really applaud you for taking this approach on Fridays. When I first saw the email that you were going to do this throughout the year and maybe longer, I, I just thought it was a great idea. And I think that kind of conversation discussion is good for public discourse and political discourse. Yeah, yeah. No, and and you and I, you know, uh, you and I disagree on a great many things, but I, I, I have always appreciated that we are able to disagree civilly and without, uh, you know, a lot of rancor. And uh, I also consider you a friend. Uh, and, and I think that's important uh, Absolutely. now. Perhaps more important now than it has been uh, in the past. And I think one of the things that we all should have learned from the last uh, 12 or 14 months or however long that election went on. Maybe it was like five years or something. I'm not sure. Uh, But one of the things we should all have taken away from that is that we do all need to make more of an effort to know the people who disagree with us and what the basis for those disagreements really are about. Uh, I think it's really easy uh, it's really easy nowadays to live in a pretty isolated 
space uh, because of the internet. The internet makes that really, really easy uh, and the lack of social interaction, the way we live in this country still, uh, it's really easy to not come across people who think differently uh, than you do. And so making the effort to find those people and actually build relationships with them uh, is difficult, but I think it's pretty important. I, I think it's important, and I think it improves society for everybody. And, and I know just around our office, there are a lot of people feeling the same way you did about the election. And a lot of these are younger people who haven't gone through this change before, so they've never experienced so they don't it. don't know, yeah. And it's like, guys, we, we've been through this time and time again. Yeah. And, you know, political leaders by nature sometimes are polarizing. Yes. And elections are difficult. I mean, when you look at the the Bush-Gore race, we didn't know who was going to be president for many, many weeks, but we came through that, we survived, the country moved on. And that political pendulum swings back and forth. It does. It you does. know, uh, several times in a generation. So I think for younger people feeling this, this is the first time they've been through it. So there's this gut reaction that, oh, no, the world is ending. And, <laughs> and no, it's not. It's and not. I, I really appreciated um, the editorial on uh, your the, the Free Press's editorial page about how Jefferson's influence in the Constitution really does guide us through situations like this. It does. And we survive. And it's it's one of the best documents out there in the world to really guide that peaceful transition. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. At uh, almost 230 years old, it is the longest surviving Constitution on the planet. And I think that's not by chance or accident. Uh, that is because uh, it is geniusly uh, rendered, and we've had to make changes to it, of course, over time, important changes. But the fact that the document survives and that the republic survi- survives around it uh, is is super important. Um, so, uh, John, I, you know, one thing I want to ask you about uh, to start off is I want to ask you, I'll take you back to 2009 mm-hmm. uh, when Barack Obama was the person who was going to become president at noon. Uh, Not only was he going to become president, but there were going to be Democratic majorities in both the Senate and the House. Uh, Talk to me about how you felt that day. I'm I'm really curious about, uh, and I think this is a lesson in what you were just talking about, that the pendulum swings back and forth. That's just eight years ago that the country decided, look, uh, we got to have something different going on in Washington, and we went in an entirely different direction than we're going now. I was very apprehensive. I was, um, I, I wasn't scared in the way people seem to be scared today. I was scared in the way of um, what the impact of the the policies were going to be on the economy, on kind of America's approach to uh, international issues and and things like that. Um, it was, uh, I think, for Republicans, a very dark time. I remember being in Washington at a conference and uh, talking with people. There were a number of people who had consulted on congressional races, and we were all moping around saying, we're done. The party's over. <laughs> it's over. You know? and, and it's like, okay, you go through that for a couple weeks, and then if you're really smart as a party, you regroup. You plan what you're about, what you want to do for the future. And I go back to my time working in the minority in the, in the House of Representatives here in Michigan. We had leaders who looked to the future yeah. and said, okay, we, we've, we have to work with this governor, but we're also going to plan and let people know what we're for. And I really think that's where the Democratic Party is now. You've got to regroup, figure out, are you going to continue the path that basically was rejected by the, by the people uh, in states throughout the country? And what are you going to do going forward? 
figure it out yeah. and, and then communicate it with people. It's easier to communicate than ever before, but you have to have an agenda. You have to have a plan. In our case, we put together task forces and we sent legislators throughout the state to talk to people in their communities. What do you want to see in our case for Michigan? And then we put together reports and actually drafted legislation and introduced it so that if we could take the majority back, we had a plan that would we would implement right away. So it's really about communicating with people what you're for, not what you're against. Yeah. And I, I think the days of just being a naysayer are over, and you really have to let people know what do you envision for your party, for your state, and for your country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is John Truscott, uh, principal at Truscott Rossman PR firm in Lansing, former press secretary for Republican Governor John Engler. We're talking about Inauguration Day. Donald Trump becomes the president of the United States, the 45th president of the United States at noon today. Some people are really excited about that, really looking forward to the things that he has said he will do. Other people, not so much. And I, of course, would count myself in that latter category. We want to know what you think. How are you feeling today on Inauguration Day? What are you looking forward to out of the Trump administration? Or what are you fearing about the administration? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. It's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work those comments into the conversation. No surprise, John, we got a lot of people who want to talk about Inauguration Day. It's a big day. (laughs) Let's get to the phones here. Uh, Kenneth and Warren. Kenneth, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Hey, how are Uh, you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Just want to say I love your guys' discussions. Uh, I listen all the time. And I want to say that, uh, first of all, I'm very profoundly disappointed with the election outcome. Uh, As many people my age are, I'm 19 years old. But I want to say that I'm also excited and hopeful for the next four years. And the reason why is uh, since the election, I've been more involved in community activism, uh, organization, uh, protesting, and stuff like that, and just in general being more involved in the democratic process. And I'm definitely seeing that a lot of my peers from high school and in college are also getting uh, interested in that kind of stuff, too. And it seems like the election kind of gave us uh, – Millennials are scared that we haven't had before. You know, I don't really remember the Bush era too much. I was a young kid. Yeah. I only really know the Obama era. So I think that it's definitely fueling this fire that should be uh, uh, hopeful and ever growing for the next four years. So, so Kenneth, what do you? I mean, uh, what do you think the strategy is, though, to to get back to the place where you want the country to be? Ah. Uh, that's been something that's been in my head and uh, my friends and I's conversation for a while now. Uh, there's a lot of opinions, but what I think is necessary now is to unite the left, to unite all these people who have these similar agendas, uh, and to work with the Democratic Party to uh, push in these more social agendas that are, are, uh, that are more welcomed by millennials and younger people. Yeah. I think that's one of the big things we need to do is we need to work with the Democratic Party because they do have the political power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kenneth, great call, great comments. Thanks very much uh, for calling in today. Uh, John Truscott, uh, you know, the, the Democratic Party is, is it seems right now like it's under – uh, well, it's it's undergoing a lot of a lot of change, and um, and Republicans have been there before. Uh, there are different parties. I mean, I, I think they are fundamentally different parties, not just in the way they think, but in the way that the different sort of coalitions that make them up 
work with each other. I've always thought Democrats could learn from the way Republicans who don't agree on an awful lot uh, themselves, but present a much more united front. Uh, I've always thought the Democrats could learn from from that and figure out how to be a stronger party by emphasizing the things that uh, they agree on as opposed to disagree. And, and again, this is where the parties kind of go back and forth. I've, I've always kind of joked that Republicans were very capable of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> we're sometimes our own worst enemy. Right. In, in this year, the Democrats kind of, I, I think, took that mantle. Uh, I'll go back to when Reagan was president and the Democratic Party was in complete disarray. Yes. It led to the rise of Bill Clinton. Right. Because right. he moved to the center and did this kind of center-left coalition mm-hmm. went out across the country and, and as a governor, brought in a lot of people who felt like him, a lot of the Southern, more conservative Democrats, and was very successful at building that coalition that really didn't scare people. It right. really appealed to uh, a majority of that middle of the road, both Republican and Democrats or independents. I think that's what the Democratic Party has to do now. I would look to the governors. I mean, this is where the the action is. The states are where things really happen. People are closer. And plus, you get somebody who has learned to manage right, um, right. and, Run and do the politics of things. So I, I think if the Democrats are smart, they'll look at that Bill Clinton model, figure out what he did, and and really try to replicate it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Kenneth, thanks very much uh, for your call. Uh, let's go to Matthew in Harper Woods. Matthew, welcome to Detroit today. Thanks. And um, I'd say if, I, if the Democrats do what the last call with respect and get all the left people together – and Trump's able to make the Republican Party the party of the working man, the Democrats are completely done. I don't sense they, you know, they're, they're thinking, I don't know if they picked Keith Ellis, but to even talk about that is radical. But on Donald Trump, um, I'm, I'm pumped up. This is going to be great if you point to pro-life judge. Um, it's a refuti. And really, though, I, you guys still talk about it, I'm sure, um, Bernie Sanders plays in this because his rise, I mean, he beat Hillary Clinton in Michigan, too. She's lost Michigan twice. And just the, um, it's a complete repudiation of the establishment this year. And so I'm, I'm fired up because Trump's actually leading. He's not like he's not a career politician. Um, his rhetoric, you know, hey, it, at the end of the day, there are people that want to nuke us, that radical Islamic terrorists, and we'd never even identify that. So I, I just, yeah, I mean, yeah. safety is the big thing. But thank you, guys, and you're, it's a great talk. But talk about the whole, this is absolutely complete repudiation of, of the yucky, um, <laughs> trough-eating um, establishment. <laughs> yucky. That's a good word. That's a good word, Matthew. Uh, thank you very much uh, for the call. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I agree with the uh, repudiation of the status quo. I mean, I... I that that was what we said in 2008, for starters, uh, when Barack Obama was was elected. That it was a repudiation of uh, eight years of uh, you know uh, economic uh, conservatism and and of course recession, which is what we are in in the middle. I, I don't know that that easy read of of these swings back and forth is is accurate. I think there's something deeper 
each time that sort of explains what's going on. I, I think just people get tired of their leaders over time. Eight years is a long time a long to time. watch one person on TV time and time again. <laughs> you kind of get tired of it. And and people always, it's what have you done for me lately and, and where are we going in the future? But I, I do think that this time it was when you look at how Donald Trump reached out to labor and the working class yeah. in a way, and, and minorities in urban centers, in a way that had never been done uh, at least in recent times, by a Republican. And he kind of threw out the old playbook and and went right for it. And if you look back to the late 1800s, the Republican Party was the Labor Party. Yes. I mean, there were a lot of different issues and things, but of the working class, uh, they were the ones that were defending their rights and talking about jobs. He really took that playbook back. You know, it's an old one, uh, but it worked here. And this anxiety about a slow growth economy and, and things like that, people were just not feeling safe and secure. And I'll, uh, there was a phrase I heard yesterday about kind of the middle of the country versus, as I heard, those who have an ocean view, you know, on the <laughs> coasts, the elites, the wealthier. It's just that that disparate approach yeah. and view of the world um, that has changed. And so people rose up, the, the middle of the rotors rose up and said, I want something different I and I want to give somebody a chance who has a different view. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about Donald Trump's inauguration today and stay with us on the phones. Brian in Detroit, Lucy in Beverly Hills, Paul in Woodbridge. We will get to you next. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Music, news, community, culture, local, global, Detroit. This is 1019 WDET. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is John Truscott a principal at Truscott-Rossman PR firm, former press secretary for Republican Governor John Engler. We're talking about Inauguration Day. Donald Trump becomes the 45th president of the United States at noon. Are you excited about that? Are you apprehensive? Are you worried about it? We want to hear from you, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and put your comments there on the WDET page, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Tim on Facebook says, Stephen, it's day one of a new season in America. Are we not Detroit sports fans? We are excited about the new political season with anticipation and trepidation in equal amounts. Will President Trump succeed in changing the way things are done in D.C.? Will he have more success as compared to failures? We'll find out. I, for one, hope that President Trump does show us that a new way of governing that is inclusive for all Americans, for he will be the president of all of us, regardless of what the placards say. Tim, great comment. Uh, I think it reflects the way a lot of people I'm talking to uh, are feeling today, Uh, hoping that things turn out for the best. Uh, Let's go back to the phones here. Lucy in Beverly Hills. Lucy, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thank you for having me. I love the show. Absolutely. So I just want to say that um, I am completely mortified today. As Mm -hmm. a woman, um, I'm deeply disturbed that Trump is in office. 
And I also wanted to make the point as far as what the Democrats need to do. Your guest just said that um, the Democrats, you know, the time is for naysaying is over and, um, you know, they need to get together and put forward ideas. And I find that interesting because the Republicans for the last eight years have done nothing but naysay and have not put forward any ideas in reference to, say, the Affordable Care Act. Um, you know, all they've done is uh, say no to President Obama. And I hope the Democrats, um, you know, get strong and, you know, stand up for their beliefs and, um, and, and the opposed. majority of the people that voted for Hillary Clinton because she did win the majority. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's that's. My yeah, Lucy, uh, that that's a great point. I'm glad you called uh, to make it, John Truscott. Uh, Republicans have uh, have carved out as a strategy, or did carve out as a strategy, uh, the idea of just standing in the way of what uh, Barack Obama wanted to do. After 2010, uh, uh, they uh, all but announced that their strategy was to try to prevent his reelection, uh, but also then to prevent any legislation that he wanted to get done from passing. And they did that pretty successfully. Uh, I, that's not a strategy I, uh, that's not a strategy I appreciate, uh, and not just because it was Republicans doing it to a Democratic president. I think that's not the way to govern. But I think a lot of Democrats now are thinking, well, why shouldn't we do the same thing? Now, it's not possible right. <laughs> because uh, just like in 2008, there's no uh, branch of government right now that's in Democratic hands. Uh, but let's say uh, Democrats figure out a way to win the Senate back or uh, the House in two years. Is that, a, is that a winning strategy? Is that a reasonable strategy? Well, I think first we have to go back and, and look at a lot of the things that get the public attention because the media covers them are only the controversial issues. About 80% of what really goes on in Washington gets done relatively easy, on no complaints. Basis. Yeah, and I'll point to the 21st Century Cures Act, which our own from Michigan Fred Upton championed through to move through medicines and cures much faster than they have been in the past. Sure. This is going to be eventually life-changing for people with serious illnesses. So those things get done relatively easy, but then the budget, which there are always fights, Obviously, the Affordable Care Act was one, but that's one where Republicans did put forth some uh, strategies, at least through the campaign, of what they would like to do. And I think you'll see that that come up in legislation. So, you know, what I don't want people to think is that Washington just grinds to a halt and nothing happens because it actually does. <laughs> and uh, Republicans went along, for the most part, with most of the president's budgets, which resulted that in is very large increases in government spending. Now, they complained about it. Um, you know, talked about it all the time, staked out their claim, but in the end still voted for it. That's why we had a few government shutdowns in there. But again, the Republicans capitulated and, and the president got his way. So, you know, what we see probably jades us a little bit towards the political process, yeah. but a lot is actually getting done. Well, and it's, it's about what people think government actually does. I mean, most of the business of government is not... Uh, uh, it's not a. It's not about ideology. I mean, government just sort of functions yeah. uh, in a way that 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 sort of provides services, uh, and most of that is not all that controversial. That's a great point. Uh, at the same time, you know, uh, as you point out, the headlines uh, always focus on this this rancor uh, between the two sides. Well, and and you look at 
today's media and what has to drive it. it. It's the clicks and what grabs the attention. So the controversy, the headlines, that really drives what people are reading, and they're not seeing the behind the scenes where things are getting done. I completely get it. It's always been that way. Used to be a lot worse than <laughs> yeah. it is today, but but things. I think things will get done. And, and one thing I'll say is people, including me, have underestimated Donald Trump every step of the way. I mean, four years ago when he was talking about running, everybody just kind of laughed it off and, you know, it's not going to happen. He comes back, announced, everybody laughs at it. He'll be out in a month. He'll be out the next month. And (laughs) this kind of went on through the campaign. So he really has been underestimated and then has overperformed every step of the way. And I would just say, let's give him a chance and see what can happen. He is very different than anybody we've ever had in this office. And I think the performance will be a little bit different and, and, Given his dealmaker uh, approach to things, <laughs> I, I think he's going to do. I think he's going to outperform everybody's expectations. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope you're right. I am not as optimistic as you are. Obviously, <laughs> I'm just naturally an optimistic guy. <laughs> That's right. All right. Uh, let's go back to the phones. And Lucy in Beverly Hills uh, again. Thanks very much for calling and uh, making that point. Uh, let's go to Brian in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit today. Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? All right. All right my comment for today was that a lot of the uh, Trump supporters are going to be very disappointed because I don't think there's any more high-paying job for uneducated, untrained people. Like back in the 60s and 70s when they had all the factory jobs, a lot of the jobs today that's coming back will be high. Well, you'll need a lot of training for them. And I don't think a lot of the Trump supporters realize that those jobs won't be going to them. Uh, Brian, that is a really, really great point, uh, and I'm glad you called and and made it. Uh, John Truscott, uh, uh, Donald Trump has talked a lot about bringing jobs back from overseas, uh, focusing on America first, things like that. He has not talked much about the things that are really driving joblessness uh, and a shrinking of the working population here uh, in this country, which, which have to do with automation and technology. Uh, people's jobs are going away. One of the things I think that we're going to see really quickly, in fact, uh, is that truck driving jobs are right. going to come under assault as we automate cars. Uh, why would you have uh, a person drive a truck across the country if uh, the car can drive or the truck could drive itself? Uh, Donald Trump hasn't talked much about that, and that's not really something that would come up, I think, in a political campaign. But I think it's something that's going to confront him and the rest of us really quickly. Without a doubt. Um, and it, it's a very good point. The economy continues to evolve, change, as it always has. You know, uh, industrialization uh, at the turn of the last century really flushed out a lot of people from their jobs and you had to make changes. I think today things are changing faster than they ever have uh, in America. So what we really have to do, and I think this will be part of of the new president's agenda, is the job training, retraining, getting people ready for the jobs that are coming. It's much more automated. It's much more high-skilled. And people who sit back and just think that things will always be the same, they're the ones that are going to get left behind. And that was part of the frustration with with this election. So what programs can we put in place to get people trained up to speed? Mm. You mentioned the truck drivers. That that one's coming really quickly. Pretty quick, yeah. I mean, it happened with taxi drivers all over the country with yes. Uber and Lyft just overnight. Uh, I think San Francisco lost 85% of their cab drivers virtually overnight yeah. because of Uber. So you kind of have to see what's coming and try to get ahead of it. Education, community colleges play a huge role in that retraining. We just have to recognize 
we're in an economy in a country that is really leading the charge more than any other country in the world. And you have to take a little personal responsibility and be prepared for that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, John Truscott, principal at Truscott Rossman PR firm, former press secretary for Republican Governor John Engler. Thanks, as always, for being here. My pleasure. Today. Where are you watching the inauguration today? Uh, I'll be in our Detroit office in the Renaissance Center watching uh, with my staff there. I will say that- With uh, a glass uh, of champagne. In yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to rub it in too much. Our, our staff here in Detroit, Lansing and Grand Rapids, uh, majority Democrat. So yeah, I was going to say- that, I've, yeah. I've had my fun, and uh, but uh, you know- You I, work with a lot of dads. I, I do. And they're all- really, really good people. And I, I respect their views, but you know, I, I want my opportunity to have a little bit of fun. Yeah, right. right. Okay. Be nice about it. I absolutely will. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next, uh, tomorrow, millions of William, women and women's rights supporters are going to gather in cities around the country for the Women's March. Are you going to Washington? Are you going to march locally? We want to hear from you and we will talk with Rashida Tlaib, an attorney with the Sugar Law Center, about it next. Stay with us on Detroit Today.